You are now listening to the smooth sounds of Love Atia. Ciao, beautiful souls. My name's Atia, and I am your future bestie in your head. I am a sex-positive animal activist. I grew up in Queens, New York, and was homeschooled slash unschooled for about 12 years. I was a virgin until I was 24 and attempted to have a hoe phase for two years, which eventually led me to being accidentally slash intentionally celibate. And here we are today. My past left me with a lot of wild stories, a lot of lessons, and a hell of a lot of trauma. Thank God for my wicked sense of humor because God only knows I would have perished by now. With that being said, this is your gentle reminder that the Love Atia experience was created as a safe space for me to reflect and share the lessons that I've learned from past trauma. Shit gets real on this podcast in topics such as domestic violence, sexual assault, substance abuse, depression, anxiety, and suicide may be referenced. If you are working through feeling triggered by certain topics, this may not be the show for you right now, and that's okay. Healing takes time and isn't linear. I'll be here when you're ready. Now, without further ado, the Lovatia experience is an experience. So get ready for laughs, crazy story times, and life-changing pleasure tips here on the Lovatia experience podcast. Yer, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? It's your girl, Love Atia. And I would just like to start this episode by giving a shout out to the podcast, Horrible Decisions, and shout out to Tori for putting me on to Horrible Decisions. Um, if you know me, you know Tori. I've mentioned her several times in this podcast before. But in Horrible Decisions, and I don't even know what episode it was, um, Wheezy, one of the hosts, said that the best semen that she's ever tasted has been vegan semen. And I would just like to um to just give myself and my vulva props. <laughs> Me and my vegan vulva. But I will say, like, I can't wait to move to Mexico because my veganism is going to get 10 times healthier. Like right now I'm full on a junk food vegan. So even though my vulva may taste delicious, it can taste deliciouser. Um and even in times where I've like I've literally seen it. Like, I've literally witnessed my vulva smelling sweet, tasting... Well, let me not say smelling sweet. Well, it does smell sweet, though. I told you I smell like oatmeal. But anyways, that's a totally different story. Versus, like, when I'm eating, like, ass, and then my vulva smells like everything I'm eating. I won't say that it smells like ass, but it doesn't smell the best. So, I'm super excited to not be eating a lot of processed foods anymore. Um, when I went to Mexico on this trip, I had the most colorful food i've ever had i'm gonna post all these pictures on instagram by the way i'm blocked from posting commenting well i can post but i can't add a caption um i can't comment like nor follow or unfollow anybody and i can dm so i'm blocked on instagram but i'll tell y'all how i take that as a sign to like leave social media um in a second but i say all that to say that I'm going to be posting some of my vegan food when I can finally post on Instagram again um, from this trip because it was really so freaking beautiful. Speaking of so freaking beautiful, I would just like to give a shout out to everybody who resonated with my last episode, Pussy Funk, which, you know, like I just feel like it, it one, helped just free me of feeling like I had to act like I had the most perfect vulva ever. Like my vulva is perfect. Absolutely. And it's like all vulvas are perfect. But was it the healthiest at all times? No. So I will say that I think 
I think that coming up with your own form of what a perfect vulva is to you, meaning perfect in its imperfections, is beautiful and super liberating. And I hope that I helped remove some shame when it came from vulva smells. And, and I can't wait to talk about vulva looks as well, because I know that there's like a lot, a lot of us getting in our heads about certain things. Okay, for instance, oh, ooh, yes, okay. And we're like only three minutes into this episode or two minutes and I feel like I just dove in because I've been so excited to record this. So thanks for just rolling with me. But I had these like, and I'm just going to be like straight up honest with you and I don't care. Like it's going to, if somebody makes this a fucking soundbite and like when I get famous, it makes me sound crazy. I just hope that I go viral and like get hella followers from it. But regardless, I had these bumps on like the inside of my labia, right? Or of, well, more so near my vaginal entrance. Um, cause I, you know, I, I've been getting really good with my anatomy lately. So on my vaginal entrance, there were these bumps and I want to say that they were like flesh toned, but maybe a little bit yellow almost. Y'all are going to be like, what the fuck was going on with your vulva bitch? But no, seriously, I was so ashamed of this. And this is back when I want to say I was like 18, 19, maybe, maybe a little bit older, but I just remember being told, you know, you should really explore your vulva. You should look at your vulva. My mom has definitely implored me to just explore my own body. And I know that just in certain women's empowerment things I've watched, they've said, you should know what your vulva looks like. So I definitely was looking at it and I was terrified as fuck. Like, why do I have bumpy vulva syndrome? I literally went to go get tested shortly after this and I wasn't even having sex yet, but I just thought it was an STD or an STI. I didn't know. I was reading the book, fast forward, I, I say that that happened when I was 18, fast forward 10 years later, at 28, I was reading the book, um, When Sex Hurts, and I told y'all I got that from Shops Door. I, I did a whole book haul from Shops Door. maybe I should do a YouTube video about it, because I have so many amazing books from, from that shop, but... I, the book, this book, When Sex Hurts, helped me formulate the most healthy relationship with my vulva and has really had me become even more curious regarding what's going on with my vulva. And it's answering things that I had pushed to the back of my mind or just thought things were just wrong and I just was going to have to accept them as being wrong. And it's teaching me so much just about my anatomy that is just not common knowledge at all. But what I learned is that, and I want to make sure I'm getting the terminology right, the, the, right near your vaginal entrance, so where these bumps were, or what I'm, what I was calling bumps, are actually really spores, and they're supposed to release these natural oils that keep your vagina lubricated. I'm not talking about actual like lubricant, as in like vaginal secretion. I'm talking about actual oils that I'm assuming just help it from being chapped um and and super dry that that's what i'm i'm guessing it to be so like i said this is like before you even get the slippery wetness just genuine vaginal oiled wetness i don't know how to describe it but i'm gonna try to find it in my book and read it to y'all because i don't know the last time you checked your vulva but you probably have these little bumps there too and again they're not bumps or lumps they're really just spores is what i want to call them or oil glands i think they're called glands oil glands so I, I thought that that was really, really helpful just for my own peace of mind. And I'm super excited. I want to just read excerpts from this book in general for y'all because I learned so freaking much. And I'm actually going to read an excerpt um, from that book today in honor of Women's History Month. Although it's Women's History Month every month for me because I'm making history as a woman every month. But I really want to um, read about how they really tried to say that we were crazy. And I don't think like crazy for wanting to have sex and for wanting to self-pleasure and things like that. And I don't think that I read this specific part 
in my episode before i know i quoted the book but i was just reading off like certain reasons why sex can hurt so in this one i want to just talk about the history of sex and they dated things back to 1950 which is really not that freaking long ago and anytime i try to think about like was my grandma alive during this era? Was my great-grandma alive? Like, anything that my grandma was alive for, I'm like, it really was not that long ago. So, yeah, it's really, really uh, interesting to to just learn about how, even to this day, <laughs> they're still trying to, to censor women and call us crazy for wanting to be in touch with our vulvas. So, oh, my God, speaking of censorship, let me tell y'all about why I'm changing my relationship with Instagram and TikTok. I know you hear this in every episode, so you're probably like, girl, like, we get it. But, no, seriously, I did a detox for Instagram in january december to january really more so january um and i cut it off like i stopped it early i want to say like mm, 27 days into january because i had gone to that podcast conference and so i had added the app back to my phone i was adding people we were conversing via dm i wasn't doing that great of a job at it because you already know me and my communication it's very hard to to work towards success and then also like maintain so many relationships and it's so funny Remind me to get back to this about my mom asking if I was going to have like a going away party before I left to go to Mexico because I've definitely realized something about my friendships and I love it, but I definitely judged it for a while. But anyways, back to the podcast conference and Instagram. So downloaded Instagram, made all these amazing connections and I started getting super overwhelmed. Like all of these DM conversations that were super intense, like every single one was just super passion filled on both ends. I was pouring into people, they were pouring into me. It was beautiful, but it was just a lot to keep up with. Thank God, a lot of the people that I met there are also working on their mental health. So people were taking detoxes. I was taking detoxes and, and taking breaks and it, it, communication breaks. So it really worked out. And I feel like that's because I'm being my most authentic, transparent self now. So I'm receiving that kind of energy back. And I feel like I'm meeting people who are on the same wavelength when it comes to just mental health and protecting your own space and healthy communication but with boundaries as a whole so i'm just really grateful for that but i got sucked back into instagram and next thing i knew i was in the shade room every night like and then if there would be a week where i went by without looking at the shade room i'm like oh i went a week without it like no you crackhead like no offense to crackheads but i was a crackhead for instagram seriously and i love me some crackheads like oh my god the most beautiful people seriously <gasps> y'all speaking of crack I was one week years old when I, one week ago years old, when I learned that cocaine comes from a plant. Y'all knew this? Y'all been knew this? First of all, you already know me and my relationship with plant medicine. I love it. And I feel so like the, when I, when I feel really hopeless in life, a lot of the times it's due to things that you know who the, the uppers, the higher above, whatever the fuck they're called, them. Um, have put these legislations on things that I feel like are just supposed to be naturally given to us. For instance, like, oh, I mean, I didn't, and, and it's so crazy because I always want to like talk about it because I don't want to get killed. So I hope you listen to this podcast and know like if I get killed, it's probably because I talked some shit on my podcast and the higher ups were like, shut her down, shut her the fuck up. That's why I'm trying to save as many animals as possible. <laughs> so I'm trying not to live in fear. Um, but just know that like the war on plant medicine just it just takes such a toll on my spirit and on my soul and that's why I'm so happy for places like New York to where I feel like they've really 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 gotten it 
I don't want to say down pat, but they're just like, they're really trying to progress. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the whole legalization of marijuana and things of that sort is beautiful. But I'm also like, why was, why was there, um, a law in the first place to say that something that came from, from the earth is bad for us when it can literally heal and protect us so much. It's just so clear. So I don't even want to go on a full rant about plant medicine right now. Um, I want to just do some citing of some information and I want to show y'all some documentaries that I've been watching that I've really opened my eyes to this. But even LSD, like I didn't know that that was a plant medicine and how much that can heal. So I'm excited uh, to have a better relationship just with plant medicine as a whole. But I've always said, you know, when it comes to drugs (laughs) of my choice, I want it to be from the earth. So I always counted... I always counted crack and cocaine out. Or although I did say like when I'm when I'm like when I if say that we know like when I'm gonna go like say that you know I don't know like I don't want to be negative but say that we just know when I'm gonna go like I just want to get a hit of crack just so I know because crack has me looking so happy like I know that there are people literally struggling with addiction so this is I should I struggle with addiction so this is not me like 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 making fun of those people but it's me talking about my personal experiences <laughs> like I would like to get a hit before I die so because it's just an experience I want to have and I'm unapologetic about that but with that being said because y'all know my heart I didn't know that cocaine was a plant medicine and that just changes shit now I'm playing it doesn't it doesn't I'm not gonna do it mostly because I have an addictive personality to be honest with you and once you know that once you know that life gets a lot better so you know even with like sweets I had such an addiction to sweets to the point where I literally had to put myself on punishment recently and confess to my therapist that I had this chocolate addiction again because I was waking up in the middle of the night and eating semi-sweet chocolate chips the chips by themselves from a bag of chocolate chips and then sometimes I'd eat vegan marshmallows like it was it's it's a lot so yeah when it comes to me in moderation, even with me and alcohol, I really had to fall back on my consumption of alcohol. And I've also noticed because I have so many beautifully sober people in my life. And so I, I just one try to be respectful of 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 their sobriety when I'm with them. But then also just the, having sober people in my life has brought attention to a lot of my unhealthy patterns and, and other patterns that I've been able to, to grow out of, which I'm really proud of. But one thing I noticed is when I'm around non-sober people, obviously it's very hard for me to stay to stay sober um, or to more so have uh, keep the healthy relationship that I have with alcohol because or healthier relationship because I don't want to be that sober person that's around this super drunk person and then I'm already annoyed so now I'm double annoyed so now I feel like I kind of want to keep up with your drunkenness so that I'm just not sober and utterly aware of all the dumb shit you're doing and saying that you're not possibly going to remember or claim you don't remember the next day like I don't feel like being that person but thank God for my stomach issues because it's kind of forced me to really (laughs) change my relationship um or really just be really discerning because I had already changed my relationship like I said and also actually that's that too was because of my stomach issues like I was the last time that I really drank heavily 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 of hard liquor because I need to be very specific about that was when I had the tequila hangover in 2020 December 2020 um for my friend's birthday and I think I don't even know how many margaritas I had I lost count after five but I think that 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 should be enough to tell you I was in this utterly distraught place um but spent the neck like I like one of the worst things of my life like literally a lot was going on but um I had spent 24 hours sick 
told y'all that I have emetophobia. So the whole me vomiting thing because I was drinking thing, it just the correlation just fucked me up. And I, I was like, never again. Like I promise if God can just get me through this hangover, I won't do it again. And I don't even think I've had I don't I don't think that I've consciously had tequila since. Maybe I had like Mm, I don't know because the smell of tequila makes me nauseous still. But maybe I have had like a sip or something. Like I feel like I never took a shot, but I feel like maybe I took a sip of something with somebody one time. I don't know, just because I was being a people pleaser. But speaking of people pleasering, I decided um, to practice my people pleasing. One, I've decided that I am no longer smiling when I don't feel like smiling. And I practiced that while I was in Mexico, which was really hard for me because I always said, like, I never want to be that American that goes to Mexico and brings all of my, like, American bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But I think that that has kind of, that has gotten me into a little bit of, I don't want to say trouble, but it's just because I don't want to be that American that's, like, fighting for certain things. Like, if I know that I'm getting overcharged, I feel like, oh, I don't want to be a bitch and say that I know I'm getting overcharged, but I literally know I'm getting overcharged. But at this point, I'm not going to let that, like, hold me hostage from getting walked over because just because Mexico is such a grand and beautiful place, humans are still humans, and humans come from all over the world to be in Mexico. So it's okay for me to still have my New York awareness and my gull and my my self-protection when I know that I'm that I'm being done dirty for instance being charged American prices when that's not you know or more so being upcharged because I just might quote-unquote look like for instance a lot of times say that I get into a cab and they might say like where are you from we'll say New York automatically people think because we're from New York we have money no 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 no. I moved from New York because I couldn't fucking take it and I couldn't afford it and it was too cold so so that's that that is what I'm saying is I realized that I just put a lot of pressure on myself of who I thought I had to be in Mexico instead of just being me because I'm a beautiful soul and a beautiful person and I have beautiful intentions. So I say all that to say that during our vacation or more so during our trip to look for apartments, because we really were working a majority of this trip, but, and it was beautiful and, and I have like great, amazing news, but I really want to share it with my mom. So I'm just kind of trying to wait it out, but just know that it was a very, 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 very successful trip. And I will get to that in a second, but yeah, I'll just say that I just, there were, there were times where I felt like energy wasn't necessarily fully authentic and I didn't necessarily feel like smiling in front of certain people's faces. So I didn't. And it felt really good and really liberating. Also, I went down there with this thing in mind that all black people that were in Mexico were going to be like smiling at me and like greeting me and you know, like, hey, fellow, I don't even want to call myself an expat because I don't consider myself to be a patriot, but whatever. Oh, I don't even know what a patriot is, but I don't, if it's something about America, whatever, I can't relate to it. So yeah, I thought that I'd be like walking down the street and seeing all these black people and be like, hey sis, or whatever. But y'all, some of the black people were giving stank. Like some of them were giving very friendly, very warm hearted, very kind. Some of them were giving, I'm not even going to fucking look at you. Some of them were giving like user energy. Like, oh, I'm just here to like get information from you. And then that's it. And then again, like I, I still made some amazing, genuine connections, which is really refreshing and beautiful. But I was really, I'm not going to say turned off, but my expectations have just lowered when it comes to trying to go out there and meet all these fellow black expats maybe some people down there are trying to get away from black americans like i mean shit get it how you live it's just like i get it but i i was looking for um for a community down there of of other black expats as well because i feel like those are my people like if you got the hell out of here out of america then like you're my people and i'm realizing no that is not an automatic 
um, jump to being my people just because they got out or just because they moved out of the country. So that was super, super helpful to me. And again, like I reiterated 12 times, I'm really grateful for the positive, insightful relationships that I got. And I'm grateful for the not so positive ones too, because they also taught me a lot. So I just know what to expect a little bit more now when I go down there or what maybe what not to expect to lower my expectations of the kind of people I want to meet but also I'm super excited to make friends who were like born in Mexico um or just friends of Mexican descent because I just am like the friends that I've made down there so far who are who are of Mexican descent are literally some of the most beautiful people that I have ever ever met one of my friends down there literally is one of the reasons why we are able to say that like we are officially able to move down there but again you know try not to get too much information um but yeah just know that that I have some really beautiful relationships and friendships down there that I'm really grateful for and also my friends down in Mexico or up, yeah, down in Mexico have been helping me with my Spanish. And I'm so, so, so grateful for that. I was getting a lot of compliments when I was down there and people would say like, oh, you speak Spanish. And I'm like, no, Paquito, Paquito. But the fact that you think that I do just made me so happy. Let me look up how to say happy in Spanish. Duh, y'all. It's Feliz. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. So that's my one thing. I've been really hard on myself about my Spanish, although I just like gave myself big ups. There are just certain things that I know that I know, but I freeze when people are talking to me sometimes. So I've been really trying to practice really hard with giving myself grace. It's not always easy because like I said, I don't want to be that American go that goes down there. And it's like, you need to speak my language. Like, no, fuck that. I want to know your language because one, it's only fair. It's only right. And two, I just genuinely want to know. I want to be a bilingual mommy. I want to be, um, what is the word? Oh, God, please come to me. Please come to me. Whatever. Multilingual mommy. No, I'm going to Google it now because now it's going to fuck me up. An ambivert? No, no, no. That's a mix between extrovert and introvert. Ambidextrous? No, that's when you can write with both hands. Wait, but maybe it's it's ambi something. Ambilingual? I don't even feel like Googling right now. But yeah, I know I said I was going to Google it, but I lied within those two seconds. So ambilingual. Let's just go with that. I want to know multiple languages. Ideally, I would like to know Swahili, Spanish, French. I need to learn a little bit more English. And maybe like Mandarin or Cantonese or something like that. Speaking of grace, I've had to give a lot, a lot of fucking grace to everybody in my life because I really had to put myself in other people's shoes although i just fucking got in my own shoes to realize that it must be very hard to let me go when it comes to me moving to mexico but not realizing that one mexico is literally only a two-hour flight away um so that's one and two i'm gonna be back and forth why does my thing sound like this can y'all hear me I need y'all to understand. Like, I literally just thought I was going crazy. Because when I was speaking, it sounded like there was like this, this, it sounded like it was a projection of my voice being said as I was speaking. And I don't know if my ear just needed to close, but I felt like an alien invasion was happening on the right side of my face. Like, I don't know how to describe it. It literally was like, like, it was like this was a, a like a dream. Like, and my, my voice was echoing. And I'm so happy that like, I can express this here. Y'all gonna think I'm fucking crazy, but I don't care. Like, I don't even know how to express it, but has that ever happened to y'all? Like, you've been talking and it sounds like an echo. I've been having so many fucking conspiracies about my life. Yo, I had a conspiracy that this was all a dream the other day. I was fucked up. 
No, I was fucked up for a good like 30 minutes. I was stuck. I was like, no fucking way. No fucking way. Because if this is, I'm about to wow out. Speaking of wow and out, let me tell y'all about this uh thing that i'm about to do regarding dating did i ever finish my mexico's thing oh no before before i go into the dating so mexico one thing that that's funny to me is that and it's ironic like every time i go down to mexico something always happens it like while i'm down there and then people are like oh are you all right um and i appreciate people caring i do but this one low-key blew mine because people were hitting me up like i heard what happened in mexico this, that, and the third. So I'm like, oh, like, okay, I'm not allowing myself to get along because what I'm finna do? Like, I'm down there. Like, what, what, what am I gonna do? And I literally get home and I, like, do y'all know geography? Because I literally, like, looked at, at where this situation happened that everybody was so concerned about me about. That shit happened on the other side of Mexico. Like, oh, and I, so, so what I ask is that every time something happens in Mexico, please know that you don't have to send it to me. And by the way, this is not to sound callous to what actually happened in that situation in Mexico. And if you know the situation, like I said, you know the situation, but it's just, I have deep compassion for, for everyone who was affected in that situation. And I have deep compassion for those who are in the States that know me and know I'm moving to Mexico and get alarmed when they hear that things happen there. But it's a pet peeve of mine because when things happened in Atlanta, like while I was in Mexico, there were several murders that happened in Atlanta. And again, like I'm sending love to all of those families because that's not something that's easy to, to experience in your life, you know, but nobody was sending me articles of things that were happening in Atlanta. In New York, if you know New York, you know that something is happening pretty much every day um, into different degrees. But people don't send me articles of things happening in New York. So it just it just feels like sometimes fear is projected and kind of sent like a virus in a way. And I don't want it to infect me. You know what I'm saying? I really, I don't want it to, to, to penetrate me. Things are happening all over the globe and I'm just trying my best to exist as a black woman as safely as I can and as peacefully as I can. So I'm very grateful because I feel like I feel like nine times out of 10, people really are just caring and they see Mexico, they think of us and they want to send it to me and my mom, you know? So, so I try to, like I said, put myself in their shoes in that aspect, but y'all, it's a lot when it's coming from so many different angles, like, huh, so that's what I'm, I'm managing or dealing with. And again, like I'm grateful for people even caring about me, but I think that, you know, there are some different ways that we can go about sh- showing that we care and um, showing that we care about people's safety. So, yeah. But I remember there was somebody the other day that was like, I'm so scared for you to go down there. And I literally looked them in the face and was like, I walk down the street every day in Atlanta and pull out my pepper spray when I see a man. Every time, every time for the last, I want to say like couple of months. So, and then, and then they understood like, oh yeah, like I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I, I just, I'm trying to run with people's emotions, but it is a lot y'all. Like it's a lot. And then just moving out of the country is a lot as a whole. And I know uh, it's funny because a lot of the people who are having these moments have never moved out of the country. And then my friends who have moved out of the country have a lot of like empathy and understand timing and understand needs and certain things like that. So I'm grateful for for everybody. I know that in the end of the day, everybody just cares so deeply. But if you really, 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 really care about my well-being and my mental health, I would like positive vibes only. There's 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 a lot happening around the world in general, and I'm just going to where my mind can feel the most at ease right now. So that's my Mexico spiel on to dating. So before 
before I no, I feel like I should tell the story and then I'm gonna talk to y'all about limerence and then I'm gonna put y'all onto a podcast that you absolutely need to know about. I actually talked about this podcast in another episode, but that episode got so intense that I never ended up posting it. Although I know that they say the episodes that you're scared the most scared to post you need to post, but I got scared, so it's gonna be posted eventually. But but I I did not want to hold this podcast from y'all any longer. So the podcast is called The Sober Butterfly, but we're going to get into get into that in just a second. Before I dive into The Sober Butterfly, there's this guy at this place that I frequent a lot. Um, and I don't want to tell y'all exactly where because it's going to be super easy to like pinpoint and then y'all going to try to go and steal my man. So I went into this place one day and I can't even lie, like, I have really been seeing my beauty as of lately, and I feel like this the, he caught me in the beginning of me really being able to see myself. So I walked into this place, and he looked up, and he was like, oh, wow. He was like, you're so beautiful. <laughs> pussy quiver, pussy quiver, my pussy. My pussy leaked and it dripped down my leg. Ugh. My pussy spread open wide as can be. Oh my God, I should write that as a song and dedicate it to him. Y'all, oh, yes, it was just a compliment. But I don't know. Like, And he was one of the nicest fucking people to like work where he worked considering like I said I frequented this place a lot and have never had the type of like positive experiences that I had as with him and there's actually this one other guy that um is a little bit older and works at this same place that I frequent and he also is very kind but like I said um this this guy like you know maybe because he was just in my age range and I never got a flirty vibe from the other guy I think the other guy was just genuinely a nice guy which is very fucking rare for me to experience so I'm really grateful for that and I think that this guy is genuinely a nice guy was he trying to like flirt I don't I don't I want to say yes but I don't want to sound crazy maybe he was just complimenting me because I can compliment people all the time and not necessarily be trying to flirt but I do know that now, like, when, like, and I, I made sure that I continued to frequent this, but I made motherfucking sure of it. But we have really good interactions, but it's never been anything as intense as that first, like, like him looking up and being like, oh, wow, you're so beautiful. Like, <laughs> and I think I was like, oh my God, you're so handsome. <laughs> but, anyways, I still have to say, y'all already know, I shot my shot at my last crush. and it didn't go the way that I wanted it to. I found out that he had a girlfriend, so that hurt. And then that Negro, it did not follow me back on Instagram, and I had been following him for fucking years. I was like, okay, time to let you go, because what I'm not going to do is have one extra follower on my Instagram. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not going to be following one extra person, because I'm just, I'm I'm not going to say I'm petty like that, but I have OCD, and I need my numbers to be right. So... With that being said, I have moved on because that limerence was real. Now, limerence, I'm going to read y'all the definition, but I need you to go to the Sober Butterfly podcast and listen to the episode about her celibacy journey. When I tell you that this podcast made me feel so seen, it's literally about this beautiful, amazing young woman. I don't know if she wants her name to be said on this podcast, but I'll double check. And then like, I'll just give her another shout out in the future. But it's about her sobriety journey. And I met her at this podcast conference. And she just has this energy of like a literal goddess. Like she literally gives I'm important. And I don't mean 
like, I don't mean I'm important, bitch, move. She gives I'm important and inviting. Like, come to me, let's learn about it. I don't know, I don't know. She just, she, she's just a very, very, very warm spirit. To the point where at the podcast conference, I literally thought that she was like a speaker or a host or an influencer or something because she just gave that energy. So I, I just admire her as a person as a whole. But to listen to her sobriety journey and then to also which is why I pinpointed this celibacy episode, listen to what her relationship was with sex when she was drinking versus while she, now that she's sober. Um, it's, it's been a really, really relatable, honestly, like highly, highly relatable. And to even hear that we've had different experiences, but like also the same kind of experiences, it's just really, really eye-opening. So whether or not you're on a sobriety journey, I just think that her podcast in general, the sober butterfly is absolutely amazing. But she does talk about something in that episode called limerence, and I am going to read it to you right now. All right, so I think that she said she learned this from her therapist, and she said that limerence is the state of being infatuated or obsessed by another person. Oops, sorry. The state of being infatuated or obsessed with another person, typically experienced involuntarily and characterized by a strong desire for reciprocation of one's feelings, but not primarily for a sexual relationship. Gonna read that again. Limerence is a noun and it's the state of being infatuated or obsessed with another person, typically experienced involuntarily and categorized by a strong desire for reciprocation of one's feelings, but not primarily for a sexual relationship. So, one thing I will say is that I actually, uh, <laughs> I have such an active imagination. So the the last crush that I had that I told y'all about, I don't even want to have kids, right? Like I, I'm pretty sure that I've come to that decision, but if I did, it's going to be when I'm 40, but I literally was willing to have that man's kids. Like I literally envisioned us getting married and if you know me you know it's not some shit that i really want in my life i'm really not trying to be married you know i'll do a whole like free union or whatever the fuck they call it, but not marriage um and then also i saw myself not having kids but i did see myself having kids with him so i think that i can highly relate to limerence and i think that i've had that for a majority of my life even considering the fact that it said not primarily for a sexual relationship like that's definitely something that i experienced when i was a virgin i would create these relationships in my head that had absolutely nothing to do with anything that I was going through at that time. Um, but it was just something that I just wanted to, it was just a fantasy. I was just really good at creating fantasies with people and of people and for people. I also think that I liked doing this because I could feel safe with my fantasies. Like if it wasn't happening in real life, it didn't feel as intimidating. You know, I felt like I could handle it. I felt like I could really explore different things in my mind, if that makes sense, because my imagination is so active. It just felt safe as opposed to dating in person and then having the possibility of being disappointed. I'd rather just live in this world of slight delusion, but more so just imagination um, and imagining things with I just would like them to be safely in my head where I can't get hurt, but I say that, but then like, I be having dreams and my dreams have been hella vivid lately and people haven't really been trying to fuck me over. And I'm like, what's that about? Is that a subliminal for the world now that I'm in? So yeah, it's very interesting, but I definitely feel like it correlates to having a little fear of intimacy in person and feeling safe in that versus being able to do that in my mind and feeling like I can protect myself there. So 
Yes, limerence. Thank you to the Sober Butterfly for teaching me about that. And again, check out the Sober Butterfly podcast. Another podcast shout out is for a business that's black by Dovacchio. I don't know if anybody has seen my interview on on business that's black. It's up. I, I think it's called How Losing My Edges help me create my brand or help me create my skincare. I have to find the exact name of it, but just look for How Losing My Edges with Love Atia and y'all. When I tell you that that is by far my favorite interview that I have ever, 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 ever done, like I felt like I was talking to somebody who has known me for years and I feel like I kind of remember talking about this in my other podcast episode, but if you haven't watched that episode, please watch it because it is officially out. I recommend watching the video, but you could also listen to it on, I think all streaming platforms, but if not, just check Business That's Black on Instagram and you'll see exactly where you can watch um, or listen to that episode, but it definitely was an amazing 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 interview it flowed so beautifully and i feel like uh you'll learn a lot from it so thank you Dovacchio. yo the other day i went out on a date right i took myself out on a date i should very much so specify that i took myself out on a date and there's this guy there that i was talking to and hopefully this is vague enough for people to like not or for him not to be like oh was it me but just no like it's no no offense to you it's just in general um and i realized that i don't like the way that men smell and he didn't have a smell like a stinky smell at all i just don't like the way that men smell and that to me is really fucking big. Like, what are we gonna do about that? Cause men is out there smelling like men. And I really just think that I'm like utterly that disgusted by them. And that makes me a little bit sad because I don't know where I am on my recovery journey, but I feel like I'm not allowing myself to be mad. Like I'm so angry at men right now. I'm so disappointed in men. And I feel like I'm not I'm not letting that be my truth because I wanna be enlightened and love. But that's not where the fuck I am right now. So I have been doing some things to help me let go of this anger that I feel towards men because my mom always says when you're angry, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So I came up with a list of what I think masculinity is and what I think femininity is. And I want to read this list to y'all because it's actually very, 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 very insightful for me. And it helped me realize my framing of of the way that life is. Um, or maybe more so my framing of what I think that masculinity is and why I don't like masculinity so much and why I see now that I go for men and I'm attracted to men who have some more feminine qualities about them because of how I see femininity to be. Okay, let's just read the list. So that you can hear the contrast, I think I'm going to read like one of what femininity is then one of what masculinity is. I have... um a list of 25 for both and I've only been able to fill out 18 things on the femininity side and 20 things on the masculinity side which is interesting because I actually had a hard time filling out the masculine side at first but then I was on a roll and I just couldn't stop all right so femininity is oh wow that's gonna be a lot to say every time huh whatever we'll try femininity is softness masculinity is predatory femininity is warrior energy masculine energy is egotistical all right now i'm just gonna say femme mask because that's a lot to say femininity masculinity femininity. okay so femme strong physically mask angry femme strong emotionally mask argumentative femme strong spiritually mask emotional and then i have emotional for femme 
I have heavy for mask, light for femme, impatient for mask, patient for femme, um, cunning for mask, creative. Okay, now now I feel like now. <laughs> okay, I want you to do the contrast, and I just want to read the whole list out straight up. Okay, so this is femininity. Femininity is softness, warrior energy, strong physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Emotional, light, patient, creative, nurturing, rageful, joyous, charming, maternal, determined, healing, highly intelligent, emotionally intelligent. All right, now we got masculinity. Masculinity is predatory, egotistical, angry, argumentative, emotional, heavy, impatient, cunning, confused, or confusion, curious, unpredictable, strong physically, manipulative, determined, aggressive, hard or hardness, confrontational, rough, destructive, and intellectual. And <laughs> they, they lucky they got the intellectual. And I only say that because I feel like there are so many sociopathic narcissists out there who are able to really tap into like i literally felt like my ex was a genius like i feel like his brain was able to work really well but emotional empathy emotional compassion emotional intelligence to where i felt like he was emotionally intelligent enough to be able to emotionally manipulate me but i think that to be able to have a healthy relationship with his with, with his emotions he needed some tools and I think that there were some things in the masculine, the, the masculine part that probably fucked him up with that. Oh, by the way, can we get a round of applause? Because I unfollowed his mom on Instagram today and that was really big. Um, she was actually following my business page and it's no love lost to her, but I just feel like it was just one more disconnect from, from that part of my life. Um, and I really do hope that she's doing well. I think that she's an amazing, amazing woman. Am I still hurt by some things that happened in the relationship that were said by her? Yeah, of course. Um, for instance, when she told me or when she found out that he was getting physically abusive with me and she told me that I should work on not antagonizing him, that <sighs> that was a good one. Uh, so yeah, it's really it's hard for me to forgive about that right now. But I do I love her no less. Um I I know I, I know way too much to really hold that against her. Um but it still hurts, so I have to validate my feelings as well. But yeah, I felt like I, um, I'm um i really proud of myself for that because that was a big one. And then there was a t-shirt that I had of his that looked just like my cat Tam, and I just threw it out. Yeah, just threw it out, and I'm very proud of that because that was like the first shirt that I think that I had worn when like I slept over his house for the first time in his room and had our first kiss, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was a sign, that, but really like it's not that romantic because I was sneaking out of his fucking house because I think his girlfriend was coming over and I had to have like clothes on. So I threw on his shirt before I like ran out the house. So not really that romantic, you know, after you say it verbally. But with all that being said, this list, and again, I feel like I kind of wrote a similar femininity, masculinity list um, during a therapy session, but this list definitely just helped me realize why I had such a negative relationship with um masculinity and anything masculine because this is what i see it to be and this has been my experience with it so i would love to come back to this list in a year and see what i think masculinity is versus femininity because at this point i still stand by this 10 toes down and i just think that the guys who have their shit a little bit more together are a little bit more in touch with their feminine side so that's where i'm at right now with it I also peep and correlate the whole me preferring femininity versus masculinity based on the fact that I don't like when my partners have body hair. And the majority of the partners that I have 
have not had chest hair. They haven't really had beards or facial hair. They haven't really had like body hair as a whole. Maybe just maybe an ungroomed pubic area, mom's mom's pubis. But otherwise, yeah, they've been relatively bald. So I think that even that in itself, like I don't like things like that. And some women love beards. Some women love facial hair. Some women love chest hair. I fucking hate chest hair. Like, ugh. or even like the little the little thigh hairs that they get. Oh God, no. <sighs> so yeah I think that that also that's also um very interesting in my life as well when it just comes to what I like in a man and that's I need him to be a woman <laughs> straight up at this point speaking of women it is now time for our women's history sex fact and before I dive into this book when sex hurts I just want to read to you what the definition of hysteria is because at this point if I was born in like the 19 19- century or well i was born in the 19th century right if i was born in 1999 but you know what i'm saying the early 19th century then they would have definitely called me hysterical and actually i probably am still if if we're going by this definition it says um female hysteria was once a common medical diagnosis for women which was described as exhibiting a wide array of symptoms including anxiety shortness of breath fainting nervousness sexual desire, insomnia, fluid retention, heaviness in the abdomen, irritability, loss of loss of appetite for food or sex. Um, and then there's more, but I have to click to read more. But first of all, like I'd be having anxiety, shortness of breath, <laughs> nervousness, sexual desire, insomnia. I got all that shit. So they would have definitely diagnosed my ass as hysterical. Um, but it's, it, although I'm laughing about it because it's just some bullshit. It's actually not that funny. It's really fucked up. And I'm going to read an excerpt, um, which is what introduced me to the fact that they were doing this to women back in the day and really giving these pseudo diagnoses for things that they just didn't understand in a woman. All right. So this part of the book is called The Long Journey for Help. And this is first a quote or a story from someone named Susan, who's 32. She said, after the first month, I began to experience slight pain upon sexual intercourse. After three months, sexual intercourse was completely impossible and still is today, two years later. I went to numerous physicians only to hear that it was a yeast infection, a bruised pelvic bone, or I was just in my head, quote unquote because I was nervous. I went through much emotional distress, anxiety, and hopelessness. My family and I spent over $2,500 on doctor's bills and laboratory tests. I had everything done on me, including numerous pap smears, pelvic exams, two ultrasounds, an upper GI panel, kidney tests, and a barium enema until three months ago when my doctor finally diagnosed me with vulva vulvodynia. I was hopeless and felt like I would never have sexual intercourse again, much less have children. All right, so then the next part underneath that says, Susan's story is so familiar. The women we see, and this is a book, by the way, that's written by um, two doctors and a physician or a psychologist. Yeah, two doctors and a psychologist. Okay, all right, it says, the women we see have typically spent years searching for a diagnosis and treatment for their pain. Unfortunately, not only do few doctors know much about human sexuality, but even fewer know anything about sexual pain. For until about 15 years ago, not only was painful sex not discussed, it wasn't even researched. If a woman could, and by the way, y'all, 15 years ago? Like 15 years ago? Okay. Um, if a woman couldn't have sex, didn't enjoy sex or had painful 
or had pain during sex. She was classified as crazy, sent to a therapist, or handed a bottle of pain pills. We think this relates in part to the way that women's sexuality has traditionally been viewed in society. As something to be feared, denied, and destroyed. For instance, in the 19th century, a woman who masturbated might have her clitoris eradicated castrated or surgically removed to quell female quote-unquote hysteria and then it says i.e the desire for enjoyment i'm sorry the desire for or enjoyment of sex doctors applied leeches to a woman's vulva and anus i need to read that again to y'all because i just really need y'all to for real 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 like unpack this because this shit is crazy to quell a woman's quote-unquote hysteria, which meant a desire for or enjoyment of sex, doctors applied leeches to a woman's vulva and anus. Wow, I'm literally scratching. If you don't know what a leech is, it's literally, is it a parasite? It's a blood-sucking animal that literally, you know, if you ever watch documentaries about like the Amazon River, you'll you hear about piranhas and you'll hear about leeches. Also, I Googled it just now and it said that leeches are not parasites. So I don't know what the fuck. But it says a woman who complained of pain during sexual intercourse with her husband, of course, in parentheses, was labeled as frigid. If she could only learn how to relax and stop tensing her vagina muscles, she was told she could satisfy her husband. Her own satisfaction was not a concern. And why would it be? Women were raised to view sex in terms of submission and degradation. Many probably believed that pain was just a natural byproduct. Oh my God. It wasn't until the 1950s and the groundbreaking research conducted by Alfred Kinsley or Kinsey that we began to understand and explore the true nature of a woman's sexuality and to view women as sexual beings in their own right. Kinsey published a book called Sexual Behavior in the Female in the Human Female in 1953 to a firestorm of protest, controversy, admiration, disgust and just plain prurient what word is that hmm, interest if you're interested pick up a copy it's available at a variety of retailers that's what it says in parentheses the interviews he and his colleagues conducted with more than 5,500 women of all ages races and socioeconomic levels forever changed the way the world viewed women's sexuality wow Unfortunately, it did very little to change the way doctors viewed it. And even though issues of sexual desires in women get more attention in the medical field these days, sexual pain remains misunderstood, misunderdiagnosed, and mistreated by all but a handful of doctors around the country. And that's unfortunate. For in the past decade, indeed, with just the past few years, within the past few years, we have made inroads into an understanding that the medical as well as the psychological origins of sexual pain. I hope I read that right because I don't know if that makes sense. That in turn means we are so much better. And I'm almost, I'm almost done, y'all. So much better at diagnosing and treating the underlying causes of the terrible agony so many women experience. Wow. And then it says before they get into the meat of this book, they've just put a list of conditions. Um, but I read that in one of my other episodes. I think it was the episode in regards to, I can't remember. I think it was like the stepmama drama lesbian journey one, I think. No, I think it's the episode that talks about painful sex. Yeah, duh, that makes sense. But there has been a war on women's sexuality 
from the beginning of time. And so I hope that although I know that my main premise is on being on this earth is to help animals, I really, 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 really hope that I can continue to liberate as many women as possible or more so really motivate women to liberate themselves. That's where it should really come from. Now I'd like to conclude this episode with a story because is it really a podcast episode without a story? It is, but <laughs> this is one that is short and sweet um, and it's actually about STDs and STIs because I told y'all about when I found those um, glands in my vagina and thought that I had an STD although I wasn't having sex I have been on it when it comes to my sexual health I think I mentioned to y'all that my parents had put me in this program when I was younger, it was called the Teen Impact Prevention Program. And it was basically a program where we would go to the school and me and my peers would learn about STDs and STIs. And then at the end of the school semester, we would go to another school and put like this sexual health wellness event on for people in our community. And they could come and get free STD and STI tests, free HIV tests and things of that sort. And then we'd have certain panel discussions and workshops and stuff like that. It was really, really great. I'm not sure if there's still an organization, but if they are, I would highly recommend it. It was based out of New York. But I definitely think that that contributed to my knowledge on sexual health. I also had a lot of promiscuous friends. One of those friends was literally in that program with me. And I remember she took me one time to this guy's house. Well, I had to wait downstairs because she was in the um, staircase sucking his dick. And I was so mad because that was my crush. I think I told you all about her. But yeah, she was in it. And um, and so, yeah, I, I really I've always been on it with with STDs and STIs. And I want to say that I got tested almost as much as I have being a non virgin than when I was a virgin. Like I was literally getting tested so much when I wasn't having sex and I still am actively getting tested now. This is probably the longest amount of time I've gone without getting tested, but that's because I haven't been having sex. But I also felt like I knew so much about sex that I knew that you can get STDs and STIs from other forms of sexual relations. So just because I wasn't having penetrative, why is it so hard to say? Even though I wasn't getting penetrated, um, I knew that I was still having oral sex. I knew that I was still kissing people. I knew that people were still kissing me on certain parts of my bodies that were susceptible to catching things. So I just feel like I really had to, to open up my awareness regarding my sexual wellness, even though I wasn't having sex, I was still putting myself in situations where I could possibly re- retrieve, conceive, get something. <laughs> One thing I would really love for a society to work on, and I, I actually had to catch myself on this as well, is referring to STDs and STIs as dirty. I feel like we do that a lot or we'll say, oh, I'm clean. Like, oh, I just got back clean results. And then that's like, well, what's the opposite of, of clean is dirty. Or or people have just just verbally said, you know, that that's what they consider STIs and STDs to be. And I think that that's really insensitive. And I know that I have had times and moments of insensitivity for people who are living with actual STDs and STIs. Yes, some are curable, but some are not. And then also, even for the ones that are curable, depending on when you catch it, it may become incurable and it can have some really, really lasting impressions on your life so I really want to have a whole episode talking about this but I just wanted to share with you all something I learned regarding syphilis and syphilitic insanity I actually learned about it because my mom had a game night and she um had cards against humanities out and I had the card that said syphilitic insanity and I'm like what the fuck is this so I googled it and it says syphilitic insanity is a general paresis 
um, also known as general paralysis of the insane, GPI, paralytic dementia, or syphilitic paresis. In a severe neuropsychiatric Dis- oh, I'm sorry, it's a severe neuropsychiatric disorder classified as an organic mental disorder and is caused by late stage syphilis and chronic meningia. Let's let's read this out. Meningoencephalitis. <laughs> if y'all saw the word, you would fucking know. Um, and cerebral atrophy. That are associated, I guess, with this late stage of syphilis. So I thought that was very interesting. And then it says, um, does syphilis cause insanity? Syphilis is a multi-system chronic infection caused by trypoma thalidium. And it causes psychiatric disorders, including depression, mania, psychosis, personality disorders, delirium, and dementia. Which is very interesting because I think there was a case done... um, of STDs and STIs in nursing homes. And I just thought that was really, 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 really sad and disgusting on behalf of the people who are committing assault in the homes. So that's where the disgusting part comes from. I think that if if older people in nursing homes are having consensual sex, then good on them. Like really go for it. Because I love love stories and sex stories regarding people of an older age. Because it seems like people just make it seem like you just stop having sex when you get older and that's not the case. I used to buy buy my grandma a vibrator. Like that's one of my regrets. Like I really regret not buying her a vibrator. But yeah, I would definitely say that um, I know that a lot of assaults happen in nursing homes from, from predators that work there. And take advantage of people who are um, not able to defend themselves. So, but, but just to know that that syphilitic insanity can lead to things even of dementia, I think that that is just so freaking intensely deep. With that being said, and a little bit of a lighter note, I had a guy come over to my house one time and I don't want to tell y'all how we met, but just know that I thought that I, I always, anytime I have a guy over, I think he's my soulmate for whatever fucking reason. I just was thinking these niggas are my soulmate. And so I felt like we had a lot in common. I think that we might've both been the same sign if I'm not mistaken. And I always feel like, oh, that's so dope. Whatever. Anyways, it's a lot of Virgos out there. Somebody's ever going to fucking know who I'm talking about, but I remember that he took so long to come to my house and I guess that he was out with another girl and like finally told me like at the end of the night, I'm like, you could have just told me like it really wasn't that serious. But he was like, do you still want me to come over? I'm like, sure. So he came over. He's like, well, I have to use the bathroom. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) it's like you can use my bathroom. But he meant like use the bathroom, use the bathroom, like you like for reals, use the bathroom. Y'all. Tell me why at the end of this whole night, like I literally had looked at his bag and seen that he literally had bought a bottle of air freshener with him. How did you, what, did you, okay, hold on. Like, did you, okay, wait, let me run. So he literally took a shit in my bathroom, right? Like first thing, like we saw each other, hugged, came in my, my, my house and then went to my bathroom and took a shit. How did you have the wherewithal? Where did you go to get that? Did you stop at a store to buy that? Cause you could have just took a shit at the store that you stopped at, but you know, everybody shits sometimes. I feel like I couldn't really judge him for that, but I did. And then he went to take a shower. I'm like, my guy, it's like fucking one o'clock in the morning right now. Like we don't have time for this, but okay. At least you're cleansely. So he, he took a shit, then took a shower. It was a fucking lot. And then at this point, I think I remember we had a conversation and 
he was like, yeah, I don't really care about like what I wear, like what I, what I dress like. Like I literally don't care about stuff like that. And in my head, I was like, I kind of respect that. Like I kind of get it. Like I don't necessarily care for real, for real. Like either when it comes to like name brands and stuff like that, like, I really don't care. I, lo- I would love me a man that thrifts because we could thrift together. But I think it was just the aspect of, I don't know. It was just giving, I don't care about anything. So then later on, we were talking. I think I was laying on him and I asked him, I think like the last, I don't remember the last time he got tested and he had said the last time he got tested, he found out that he had chlamydia. Oh, that's not the answer that I was expecting. So I'm literally laying on him and he's like, yeah, I had sex with this girl who claimed that she was allergic to latex. So this is a thing like, as much as I love women, women be out here shysting people too. So just like she gave you that spiel that she's allergic to latex, she's giving five other guys that spiel as well. And and you would think that the common thought would just be like, oh, okay, there are other kinds of condoms out there. Let's go get one. No, they just think, oh, let's go raw. Like I, I just will never understand how how that happens in people's minds. But okay, so he apparently had raw sex with her, got chlamydia from her. And so I said, like, oh, so after you got tested, like, did you take the pills? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you did you do what you had to do? And he's like, well, yeah, I took one. And then I think they were supposed to, like, call me or I was supposed to go in or and like check to make sure that it was gone or whatever. But like, I don't know. It's been like two months now. So or it it, either been two months or a couple of weeks. But I really want to say it was like a two months. Um, I just remember thinking, like, I ain't doing shit with him tonight. And I remember I did kiss him, although you can't get chlamydia from kissing. You can get syphilis from kissing, if I'm not mistaken. Let me Google it. All right, update. Yes, you can get syphilis from kissing. You can get herpes. You can get something called CMV, which is cytomegalovirus. And it says um, it's a genus genus of viruses in, in order of herpes viralis. It's in the family of herpes viralis. So I'm assuming that this is just another form of herpes. But I don't want to miss dog. It says, is CMV a STD? While all members of herpes, yeah. While all members of the herpes virus are contagious, CMV isn't considered a sexually transmitted infection. Which is weird because when I googled STIs. Anyways, in this case, CMV came up. But it says, um, like certain forms of herpes simplex are... Additionally, CMV is considered the only member of herpes virus to spread directly from mother to child. Oh, through the placenta during pregnancy. Okay. So maybe that's why it's not considered an STI because it's con- it's contracted in that way. Okay. But it says um, it is possible to contract herpes and syphilis from kissing. That's for STIs. And then for STDs, um, herpes simplex virus 1 and the human papillomavirus, which we've heard commercials about. So, yeah. So, in my mind, I knew that you couldn't get it from, you couldn't get chlamydia from kissing, which we just verified. But I think I let him kiss me and I let him finger me. And I think that was it. I don't think I did anything regarding him. Did I jerk him off? I'm getting two instances mixed up. Oh my God. Remind me to tell you about the guy that smelled like McDonald's. Ugh, I could vomit. But I won't because I have immunophobia. But but yeah, that that was very interesting. And then I think we just fell asleep and then woke up that next morning. And it was just weird. Like I didn't even want him to spend the night anymore. I was just over it. And I want to say that he was the last guy I ever had over my house. 
I really want to say that he was the last one now that I could think about it. But yeah, I just thought it was very interesting. The whole the whole air freshener fucking blew mine and threw me off. And now that we're here talking about STDs and STIs, I want to learn more. Let, let's look up some more STD and STI facts. First things first, let's talk about what is considered curable and what's considered incurable. But noting that there are treatments for these. So it does not mean that these are untreatable. So I just want to make sure that that's very clear. Um, according to the WHO, eight pathogens are linked to the greatest incidence of STIs. Of these four are completely curable, which are syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomoniasis. And the four that are incurable are virus infections such as hepatitis B, herpes simplex virus, HIV, and the human papilloma virus. All right, now I want to look up the difference between an STD and an STI, and we're going to go to Planned Parenthood for this. It says STD versus STI. What's the difference? We get a lot of questions about the difference between STIs and STDs, and the answer is actually very simple. There isn't really a difference. STD stands for sexually transmitted disease, and STI stands for sexually transmitted infection. But no matter which term people use, they're talking about the same thing. Infections that get passed from one person to another during sex. These infections have had many different names over the years. Venereal disease, in parentheses, VD, is the clap, the drip, and most and most recently, STD and STI. Hold up. Wait. Based on what I just read, when they say venereal disease, I, I always thought venereal disease is a disease of your venereal, whatever that is. And I always thought the clap was for chlamydia, and I never heard of the drip. But they're making it seem like that was just a general statement for an STD and an STI. Did y'all know that? I don't know. I feel like I need some more sources now. But STI is the most up-to-date term. Educators and healthcare providers have switched from STD to STI because infection is more accurate and less stigmatizing than disease. Let's break it down. Oh, wow. Okay. This is interesting. An infection happens when a virus, bacteria, or parasite enters your body and your immune system kicks it kicks in to try to fight it. Disease happens when the infection causes symptoms, damages parts of your body, and leads to illness. Many infections never develop into diseases. Most of the time, STIs never get to the disease stage. Okay, so there is a fucking difference. They just try to make it like there was no difference. All right. This is why you got to fucking be critical when you read. People may not even know when they have one. STIs don't usually cause symptoms and they can often be treated or cured with medicine before they can cause long-term harm. And it's an infection, not a disease that gets passed between people during sexual contact. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I get that. So using infection just makes more sense. That's what they just said. I said, okay, okay, I get that. But then they, they said, so using infection just makes more sense. The word quote unquote disease also sounds loaded and scary, which can actually be harmful. There's already a lot of unnecessary stigma around STIs just because you can get them from sex. And fortunately, our culture has a lot of negative att attitudes about sex. Calling STIs diseases only adds to the stigma and misinformation. And this makes it even harder for people to talk about it with their partners, get tested, and have safer sex, which are all the best ways to prevent STIs. The more you can fight the stigma and confusion around STIs, the healthier everyone can be. But here's the catch. STD has been around longer and way more people use the term. Most patients say STD in health centers and more people search for STD than STI on the internet. But some, so some health providers and educators and organizations still use the word STD because of the term most known to people. Um, 
that's very interesting. I'm just going to wrap it up. It says, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it's an STD or STI, down there, boo-boos, the general sads, or whatever. The genital sads, I never heard of that, or whatever else you could think of. What matters is that we're protecting ourselves and each other by having safer sex, getting tested, and fighting STI stigma. So I love that so much. Um, From what I got from that, it basically said, STIs are how they start. And if they go untreated, they can become an STD. But technically, you cannot transmit a disease from one body to another. So it's the infection or the parasite or whatever it is within that sexually transmitted infection, which is why technically it should be called an STI. Okay, I got it. But there is a difference. And I think that STDs do still exist. But I don't think that all they, they I don't think they start off as STDs. So that's how I just want to summarize that based on what I got from it. But we could talk more about it. And I'd love to have somebody on here who knows a little bit more about STDs or STIs or has some experiences about them. And also kudos to the guy for being transparent when I um, was being intimate with him regarding his sexual health. Because there are a lot of guys that I've straight up asked, when's the last time you got tested? Or, you know, whatever the question may be. And they've lied and said, oh, I got tested three weeks ago or whatever the case may be. And they didn't. And, <laughs> and then I've had to go get tested right after that because I didn't trust their words. So I really appreciated him being honest about it. Although maybe he didn't have the best follow-up regarding it. I did just still appreciate his um, transparency. And I'm excited to continue to have these conversations. I also love that there are so many resources out there for HIV. um, Because I know back in the day, there was so much. And there still is so much stigma regarding HIV. But the fact that there are so many different treatments out there to be able to just help people live healthier, happier lives while living with HIV, I think is really beautiful um, for anybody who is currently living with that. So yeah, I just want to just help as much as I can because as much as we talk about pleasure, positivity and stuff like that, we also have to talk about STIs and real things that people are living with. I know that I even used to be very ignorant when it came to herpes. I had this video on TikTok where I literally said I was scared of catching herpes and that caught a lot of fire. And oh, remind me to tell you all about the censorship on TikTok. But that caught a lot of fire. And I really have to catch myself because I never want to make a group of people feel isolated or ostracized because of my own ignorance. And the more I learned about herpes and the more I learned about STIs in general, it just it took away that fear. And I just felt more confident in my education. And 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 it also helped that I started meeting people who were living with herpes and living with certain STIs that I had never experienced before and so that also opened up a whole other point of compassion in my life for them so I really appreciated that and yeah let me know if you have any questions or ideas or or conversations that you want to have regarding STDs and STIs because I'd love to talk about it and also just for the people who um, are wondering about like the whole allergic to latex thing yes people can be allergic to latex but there are so many fucking different kinds of condoms and forms of protection that can be used to wear you can still practice safe sex with your allergy. And I also just feel like that's so irresponsible of a person to have an allergy and then not provide your own alternatives knowing that you have that allergy. It's like when I found out that all condoms were not vegan, which is not something I thought that I needed to like Google or find out, but I learned in the Horrible Decisions podcast, like, yeah, some condoms have fucking casein in it, which is a byproduct of milk, which is like, for what? 
for what? So then that's like me going over to a guy's house and they have a condom that has casing in it. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we can't use that. I'm vegan. Like, then damn bitch, bring your own fucking vegan condoms then because we're not about to do this raw. So yeah, never, never let somebody use that as an excuse for you as a man or as a woman or whatever. Whoever decides to use that as an excuse, they should always have their own protection on them knowing that they came in with this allergy. Or have a conversation with your partner and, you know, discuss that this is your allergy beforehand so that your partner can be considerate and provide the protection that's needed. But my point is that communication should definitely be had before the moment happens so that the only alternative isn't just having raw sex. Like, wait till the next morning to when y'all come into the store and get what you need um, to be protected because it's super important. So, yeah, I just wanted to stress that. With that being said, according to health.clevelandclinic.org, it says latex is a fluid from the rubber tree. Wait, what? Hold up. Wait, are they being... Wait, hold up. <laughs> Wait. Okay, let me just finish reading it before I actually think that can be <laughs> conceived as... Uh, I don't even know. I'm so confused. Latex is a milky fluid from the rubber tree. Y'all, I'm sorry. Are rub- Wait, I have to Google what's a rubber tree. Are they being facetious? What's a rubber tree? tree no there ain't no way (gasps) wait wait rubber wait rubber is made of trees i mean rubber comes from yo yo why do we use trees so fucking much for everything can we just let them live it says what is a rubber tree used for it may be shaped into many objects including tires including tires, hoses, shoe soles, and balls. Some latex that is not processed as rubber is used to make medical gloves, balloons, and other products. The seeds of rubber trees produce oil that can be used in soap, paint, varnishes, and insect repellent. No, no, no. Wait, y'all knew this? And please, I wish that there was a place where people could come. I'm, I'm, I'm what? Did y'all literally know this? That rubber was made from trees? I always thought that rubber was a man-made fucking substance. We we used we use earth so much and are so disrespectful to her. Like without without nature, we literally would have nothing. Nothing. We would just be a technological ass world. Wow. All right. If this is common knowledge, then I don't even care because I personally did not know this. Okay, so once again, latex is a milky fluid from the rubber tree. It's the main source of natural rubber. But if you're like a lot of people wearing latex gloves can make your hands itch. For for instance, latex exposure can ignite a full-blown allergic reaction. Of course, gloves aren't the only thing made from latex. Many condoms are latex-based too. Luckily, there are plenty of latex-free available options. Even if you're personally fine with latex condoms, Think about this. You may still need to consider latex-free options for the sake of your partner. Women are more likely to experience an allergic reaction to a latex condom than men, says allergist David Lang, MD. The vagina's mucous membranes make it a lot easier for latex proteins to enter the body. So during sex, women with with latex allergies may encounter vaginal swelling and itching. (gasps) Which can make sense why, like, I'm so sensitive just when it comes to having sex. Yes, it's the man, but it could also be the condom. Now, I'm definitely still using the motherfucking condom. and would just take my probiotics afterwards to <laughs> rebalance my pH. But this is just very interesting. 
Um, the vagina's mucous membranes make it a lot easier. Okay, I think I read that part. Mucous membrane exposure to a condom in a woman with a latex allergy could provoke a serious sy- systemic reaction, he explains. Um, it says, are you allergic to, are you se- latex sensitive or latex allergic? Latex sensitivity develops in some people who over time through repetitive exposure. Oh, sorry. That was the end of it. Latex sensitivity develops in some people over time through repetitive exposure. Repeated. God, can I read? Before latex-free gloves were widely available. Blah, blah. We don't care about this shit. Fast forward. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. No, this is important. True latex allergies are even more rare, but they cause a more severe response. If you're experiencing an allergic reaction to latex, you may notice itching, hives, and swelling. You may also have difficulty breathing and feel like your throat is closing up. Although very unlikely, anaphylaxis is possible, and that's um, a potentially life-threatening allergic reaction. Your body reacts when latex proteins cross the skin barrier. And then it says, what effective latex options are available? Though most condoms contain latex, there are a few alternatives made from plastic, which eh, eh, synthetic rubber, okay, or other natural products. These alternatives include, now work with me, polyurethane, okay, condoms. These are made of a thin plastic, eh, plastic in your vagina, I don't necessarily agree with that one just because I know that I don't promote like plastic sex toys, but um, it says they are very similar. They they offer similar levels of pregnancy and STI protection. However, they don't fit as tightly as latex condoms. They're likely to slip off and they may cost a little bit more. Then there's polysophrine condoms. And that's made of a synthetic rubber. These don't contain the same proteins that cause an allergic reaction compared with latex condoms. Um, these condoms are stretchier. They also often s- offer similar levels of pregnancy and STD prevention. Interesting how they, they interchange STD and STI. They said the female condom, but this only this is the only option a female can wear. A flexible, soft plastic pouch is inserted into the vagina. Wow, I didn't realize it was plastic too. With a flexible polyurethane ring coated with silicone lubricant. The levels of pregnancy and STI preventions are similar to other condoms. And then there's lambskin condoms. And this one fucks me up too, goddamn. Because it's made... Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. It says lambskin condoms are made of sheep intestines. These condoms... So that's not their skin. And still, even if it was their skin, it was bad. This condom is the only one made of natural animal products, so it doesn't contain any of the proteins that prompt a latex allergy. While lambskin condoms are effective against pregnancy, tiny porous holes in the condoms are big enough to allow many viruses that cause STDs to pass through. Fuck that! Wearing a condom is important in the prevention of STIs and in keeping you and your partner healthy. Exactly. You should only use lambskin condoms if the risk of STIs isn't a concern. It says STOs, but I think he meant STIs. Um, Okay, y'all can check out the rest of that article if you want. It's health.clevelandclinic.org again. But yeah, that was very interesting to me. As as a vegan, I definitely would not do lambskin. I definitely don't want the plastic one. So I guess the only one that would work for me would be the rubber, uh, the other the other form of rubber. But you know, like I said, do some tests. You know your body. Try them out. But just know that there is protection out there for everyone. And those are just four 
four options but i'm sure that there are a lot more and i can do some more research because i just don't want to read off read out of my ass because <laughs> i didn't do prior research to so this these are literally just google searches so we're going to be learning about this together and i want to just reinform myself because i think that it's smart to keep up with the times and things are constantly changing so anywho i actually want to conclude my podcast or this episode with a story about the boy that smelled like mcdonald's but just know the next episode is going to be super juicy i think i'm going to talk about my catfish experience this like lesbian lover that i had on myspace and then this other lesbian lover that i almost had it was like a best friend turned lesbian lover turned nothing um so yes i'm excited to talk about that I, I love talking about my lesbian stories because they just get me going you know as opposed to the ones with men i'm like okay yeah like we whatever you know it is what it is but anyways i love y'all so much i'm so excited to be back i say back because i didn't record i haven't recorded a podcast in like three weeks because i i did a pre-record for the other episode so yeah i'm super excited to Let's talk about some more stuff. I have a whole thing in my notes of stuff I want to talk to y'all about. So I can barely fit it all into this episode. There's a lot more to discuss. And yeah, I have a lot more in my heart. So anyways, I love y'all so much. I hope that you were thoroughly entertained. And I actually just got my shipment from Heaven High NYC in two days ago. I, I feel like I got it so freaking fast, which is something that I literally love about them so much. But yeah, definitely sign up on heavenhighnyc.com if you are looking for a reliable source for some herbal healing. And by herbal, I mean, you know, puff puffing and passing or puff puffing and passing to your motherfucking self. They have an array of amazing plant medicines, um, and yeah, they're just an amazing company that I absolutely love. They have edibles if you're looking for a reliable edible uh, business where you know that you're going to feel something after you eat their edibles. Definitely recommend Heaven High NYC. Y'all already know all of my accessories come from Imani Jewelry. That's ImaniJewelry.com. And you can use the word Levitia or use the code Levitia to get 10% off of your purchase. But I absolutely love all things about Imani. If you have ever wanted to dive into the world of asymmetrical earrings and asymmetrical accessories, I definitely recommend shopping with them. None of their earrings match, so it's definitely a conversation starter when you're out. If you have social anxiety, I recommend wearing those earrings because, like I said, great conversation starter. And if you have social anxiety and you don't want people to talk about you, just buy a more subtle pair <laughs> where you can't fully tell the difference between the pairs um but you know that something's different in them so you will always be able to know that you are wearing mismatched earrings it just depends on how much attention you want to get from them because compliments are guaranteed and if you are breaking out right now if you have some acne on your face if you have some missing edges if your hairline is receding if your confidence is down i a thousand percent recommend shopping from my hair and skincare company it's vegan and cruelty free and all of my products are handmade i have come up with a new scrub i told y'all about i have a new hair serum coming out and i've been documenting that in my hair growth so i'm just super excited so yeah definitely definitely check out lovatia.com i have a lot of stuff on there and you can sign up to my free pleasure positive email list as well which i super 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 love um the i think I just released one. After this episode comes out, one of them would have just been released. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but sign up. It's free and you get to learn about my pleasure positive playlist. You get my masturbation tip of the month. You get my pleasure tip of the month. And I'm going back to YouTube and the podcast. That's where I'm really going to be shifting my energy to. I know I forgot to talk about the censorship that's going on on TikTok, but... 
yeah, I just found out some information regarding my TikTok and the moderation of it all and just realized I'm wasting my time on there. So yeah, I'm super excited to go to YouTube, an adult freaking platform and be able to just talk without having to say segs and <laughs> be able to say things like vulva and not have to put exclamation marks and at signs and shit and be able to spell my words out so anyways i'm super excited about that but now it's time for my final story time of this podcast episode and it's gonna be a quick one but it's just like a flashback that i had recently and i don't know what triggered it but i don't know if y'all know this i actually stopped eating mcdonald's i stopped eating meat from mcdonald's before I even went vegan when I was living in New York because I was on PETA.com and PETA is an animal rights organization. It stands for the people, oops, my water just dropped. It stands for the people for the ethical treatment of animals. And I was looking at their website and saw that they had an article about McDonald's and how they like were torturing the, the chickens before they would um, kill them and ultimately make them, you know, nuggets it was really sad and they would chop off their beaks while they were alive and like hang them upside down it was like really 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 like just evil disgusting shit so i stopped eating mcdonald's meat like at that moment ironically i was still eating fish fillets and it's like yeah put two and two together like they're not just gonna not torture the fish if that's even fish it should be called fosh because lord knows what it actually is but my point is I just got this disgust, this overall disgust from McDonald's. So the smell of it would like really, really like mess me up. And then, and then there was even a point where I was eating the French fries. And then I learned that the French fries had milk, milk, milk powder and beef flavoring. So I was just done. I was so done. Like that, that's so unnecessary, you know? So anyways, like I said, the smell just was nauseating to me. So, and in my mind, I don't know why, like when I boycotted McDonald's, I thought everybody else did. And like, no, that, no, that, it's still McDonald's thing. So I guess this was around the time that I was newly single. I can't really remember the timeline though, because I feel like I had been with quite a few people before I had like met up with this guy. But this, this was probably one of the most risky, dumb things i've done like looking back on it you know i always have to love and forgive that that um version of atia but i remember i ended up learning that he was a producer i didn't even know this but we met on bumble and he was in town for i guess the weekend or whatever so somehow we ended up meeting up because i remember at one point i think i tried to back out and then he was like well i'm only gonna be here for like a day this that and the third like we could just chill ah okay so i ended up meeting him at his hotel in downtown atlanta which is like not smart do not follow my lead people please and i was in the parking lot and, and like my car really could have gotten towed like i was just risking life that night for whatever reason i can't remember if i was intoxicated or if i drank when i got there or if i just remember it feeling like a dream but i can't remember like what my state of inebriation was but this is back in the day when i wasn't really sober like around guys so i can't really but i just can't remember so i met this guy and like uh, first of all he didn't even meet me like he didn't even meet me downstairs i don't think maybe he did did he I don't remember him meeting me downstairs. I remember meeting him at his door from my recollection. But that, like I said, it all felt like a dream. So I meet up with him and like his fucking room just smells like McDonald's. Like, ugh, oh, God, I can smell it. Like, you know, you know, cold McDonald's, too. Oh, God. Hot McDonald's smells even more nauseating. It smells like like cardboard bag or whatever that paper bag. I don't even know. And like oil and meat. I'm making myself gross out right now. But my point is I walked in the room. It smelled like McDonald's. And... We, we talked for a really long time and I listened to some of his beats and he had worked with some like really cool artists, but y'all, I can't even lie. Like he did not quite look or he didn't give what he gave on Bumble in person. 
and and this is not my catfish story this is just a random random story i just remembered but yeah and i remember at one point i, I, I actually don't remember how we started kissing because we were watching tv i think maybe i was even gonna go like maybe i had said i was gonna go and then we started kissing because i just feel like i remember the night kind of concluding and i was just over it we started kissing, but I had made up in my mind that we weren't going to have sex. And I feel like this might have been the first guy that I was with after having sex with a couple of guys that I was going to say like no to when it came to actual sex. Even though we had been sexting like crazy from what from that part, I believe I can remember. But I remember his kisses being really like light skin. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even really describe it better than that. Just they were light skin. Oh, like they, they I did. They just didn't have like firmness to it. I don't know. It was just oh god. And I remember him fingering me. I don't know if he ate me out. I can't remember that because I, I'm like, if I, I wasn't in my right mind, because I was gonna say if I was in my right mind, I wouldn't have had him eat me out because of the the fact that I could have contracted something, you know, and we weren't being safe with that. If I did have him eat me out, but I didn't like oral, so I can't really imagine I had him do that. But maybe I disassociated so hard that I just can't remember because I definitely it's like I said, it's kind of a blur. And I do remember at one point he ejaculated. We definitely did not have sex. We definitely did not have sex. But maybe I jerked him off. I kept trying to make him look like Chris Brown in my head and he didn't like he didn't. I kept trying to make him look like him, but he didn't. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why you you're like if you're asking me why I don't know because I'm asking myself the same thing. But yeah, it was the weirdest night. That was like the most random bumble, not hookup, hookup I've ever had. And it was like one of the ones that I would definitely put in the back of my mind because I just remembered it recently. Like, oh, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Hmm. Well, you know, I'm just really happy that I did not have sex with him. But I am like, um, just, uh, I forgive myself, you know, but I just am not the proudest of that experience because he definitely was not, it, it was not an experience that was truly designed for me, but apparently it was because it was meant to teach me something. And that's to not go over random guys, hotels that you met at Bumble, because that's a freaking app and got, people are crazy. So yeah. And they can smell like McDonald's. So don't follow my lead on that kid, you know, learn from my mistakes. And again, you know, <laughs> Let's just let's just keep building our self-worth and our self-esteem. And I think that that'll help us trust our guts and then we'll make better decisions as a whole. So I'm so proud of you. Per usual, I love you so much. Oh, also, if you want to get some inspirational emails sent out, my website, loveatia.com, I have free love notes that I send out every month. And you'll be able to learn about specials that I have going on for Ethereal, which is my self-care business and a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, stay tuned for that. You can sign up for that as well on loveatia.com. And last but not least, please open your arms wide and give yourself a hug for me. I'm giving myself a hug too. And be sure to be kind to yourself and to be kind to animals. Be kind to this earth because apparently we're pillaging it from all that it's worth, including its rubber, which I didn't know about. But we learn new things every day and I'm so happy to have learned so much stuff on this episode with y'all. This episode was so informative and I feel like I just can't wait to dive deeper. When I move to Mexico, I'm definitely going to be reading so many of the books that I got from Shops the Door. And by the way, you can feel free to make your purchase from Shops the Door. That is a, a sex toy company that I absolutely stand by. Their shipping is super discreet and you can get 15% off of your purchase by using the code LOVEATIA. So that's 15%. Love it to you, shopsador.com, and it's black owned and woman owned. So, a thousand percent jump on that. I 
love them down and know that you will love them too i know somebody just told me that they got a sex toy the other day from um from walgreens they said that it was broken and i was like oh man if you would have got it from shop store that would not have happened so yeah just make sure that you shop from super um is the word reputable yeah reputable places and happy orgasms i love y'all so so much mm -hmm.